God bless them in Jesus' name. And are you ready, sir? All right. Take it away. Praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. I'm going to be starting in John 15, verses 1 through 5. And the word says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, or the vine dresser. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for, which, for without me ye can do nothing. So I'm going to preach for about ten minutes on the point of the true vine. So if you pray with me, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in to your presence tonight, God, and worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that you help me to share your word to your people. God, help us to be the vine, or help us to be the people, the branches on the vine, and that you may be glorified in it and through it. God, let your word go forth to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I first want to thank Bishop for the opportunity to speak this evening, it is an honor and a privilege, and I very much appreciate the opportunity and all that you do for me and TCOO. So here we are in the upper room, in an upper room in Jerusalem. Jesus has limited time left on this earth. He's facing persecution and crucifixion. He has sent Judas off to betray him, and these are some of his final words to the remaining 11 apostles which some may call this his farewell discourse. He faces soon persecution and death and is preparing his apostles for their own journeys after he departs from them. He teaches them that he is the vine and they are the branches, a metaphor that would be very familiar to the apostles who are very well versed in the Old Testament text. The Old Testament frequently uses the vineyard or vine as a symbol for Israel. That's found in Isaiah 5 and 27. However, Israel's failure to produce fruit resulted in divine judgment. Jesus, by contrast, is the true vine. And as his followers, we must be the branches, abide in him, and produce fruit. So in verse 2, we begin to look at the branches of the vine, the types of branches. We first look at the fruitless branch. Verse 2 indicates that this fruitless branch is in Christ, but is not producing fruit as Christ desires. This branch is just like Judas, who betrayed Jesus, followed Christ for about three years, walked with Christ, and heard his teaching but did not obey. He was in Christ, but not abiding in Christ. The unfruitful branch looks like it belongs. This branch may have leaves. It may even blend in with all the other branches, but this branch does not bear fruit. The word says these unfruitful branches will be removed from the vine, wither up, and die, and be gathered to be cast into the fire and burned, an image of judgment. 
Lord, let it not be said of us that we look like we belong. We come to church, we look like we do all the right things, and we have it all together, but we do not abide in Christ and bear the fruit that he desires us to bear. Because apart from Christ, we cannot do anything. Let us be the fruitful branch. This branch bears fruit that benefits others and the kingdom of God. This branch abides in Christ. We can see the characteristics of the fruitful branch in verses 7 to 11. The fruitful asks what it wishes, and it will be done in verse 7. God is glorified through the fruitful branch in verse 8. It bears much fruit. It is proven to be disciples. They are loved. The fruitful branch is loved. They keep God's commandments in verse 10, and they are full of joy in verse 11. This branch will be used to bear more fruit because it is abiding in the true vine. So how do we abide in the true vine? We must continue daily in a personal relationship with Jesus by living in his word and in prayer and fasting, obeying his commandments, walking in his spirit, and worshiping him. It is vital to our spiritual health and those around us to abide in Jesus. Verse 4 in verse 4, he did not command us to bear fruit. He commanded us to abide. Fruit is the result of abiding in him. We must read, study, and understand God's word so we can apply it to our lives and live by it. We must pray without ceasing by con- being continuous in a continuous prayerful mindset. We must fast to put our flesh under submission to the will of the Father. We must decrease so he can increase in our lives. We must be baptized in his spirit and be led by him. And we must worship God in spirit and in truth. By this, we can surely abide in the true vine. If we are bearing fruit, what kind of fruit should we look for? We should be making disciples. We should be helping others to further God's kingdom. We should producing, be producing fruit of the spirit, as found in Galatians 5. In our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The word says that you are the branches. What kind of branch are you? Are you producing fruit? If you are coming to church and going through the motions but not producing fruit, you may be the fruitless branch. But there's still hope if there's breath in your lungs. It's almost spring, which means time for new life. When grapes are not growing on the branch, the fine dresser can lift up the branch from the ground to encourage it to produce fruit. God is the vine dresser. God can lift you up from the ground or wherever you are if you let him, and you can produce fruit if you abide in him. You must abide in the true vine. Are you producing fruit? If you are abiding in Jesus and doing all that you can do to serve him, continue to abide. Verse 2 tells us the fruitful branch may be purged or pruned, also cleansed, to produce more fruit. If you're producing fruit, you may grow, go through some pruning. That's not an easy thing. God may take away some of the things we don't need, some of the things that get in our way that will hinder more growth. This may be painful, but at times necessary, so that it, we may bear more fruit. We must be willing to be pruned or cleansed 
for our sake and for the kingdom's sake. We must be the branches and we must bear fruit. We need each other to be connected to the vine and to support each other. We cannot stand in isolation. We must all share and grow together in the vine as the church. Be connected. Stay connected. Bear fruit. Abide in the vine. Without him, we can do nothing. Amen. I wonder if we can just receive that tonight for a moment. Just receive it for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for that wonderful word. Uh, the youth can be dismissed now in Jesus' name. And I don't... There's going to be a lot of similarities in what I will be teaching on tonight. I will also be teaching on fruit, and you'll find out why here in just a moment. Amen. So for tonight's Bible study, I want to direct you to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1, beginning with verse number 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat, begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves." For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not, his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And what I will attempt to do, do tonight in the time that we have is unfold some components from this passage and as you may or may not already know, the topic for our midweek Bible study for the month of March is maturity. And the thing, we, the thing that we read here in James that are revealed, I believe, do show the marks of a true believer. And to that, I want to say that I am thankful that we are giving the, given these directions that lead us to what James refers to as the first fruits of his creatures. And that is what I want to be at the forefront of our minds as we travel through this passage and my title for tonight's Bible study is just that, First Fruits of His Creatures. And since we have already prayed, I'm just going to jump right into it. Amen? In the verses following verse 18, James reveals the ways in which the reader can work toward the mark, if you will, of the first fruits of his creatures. The first thing James writes is to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to to anger. The second thing we read is to lay apart all filthiness 
and superfluity, and further receive with meekness the engrafted word. The third is to be hearers and doers of the word. And my take-home truth for tonight is this. It is the commission of a first fruit to be a hearer and a doer of God's word. And for the next few minutes as the Lord leads, I'm going to expound on these verses and how they relate to maturity. So when James writes to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, we can read that and without really doing too much digging into anything, can somewhat understand what that means. James is one of those writers that I enjoy because he really writes to the point without belaboring it too much. He says what needs to be said and that's it, nothing more. But what it does mean here in James is to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and to be slow to anger. And when I was over, uh, when I was the student pastor a, a couple years back, a few years back, however many years ago that was now, I would talk about this to the students. I would ask this questions: How many mouths do you have? And most of them would answer with one. I would then follow up with how many ears do you have? Most of them would answer. Do, right? And, and to bring that all back around again, I would just sort of drive this point home quick as such by asking, have you ever wondered why that is? Could it be that God designed humanity in such a way to give a physical proof that we are supposed to listen twice as much as we talk? To which the room fell silent, which it kind of did in here tonight, along with some eyebrows that were raised, some nodding heads and a couple of people with eyes that darted a different direction because he couldn't be talking to me. Why? Because in an honest assessment and in assessing myself too, we can think of those times where we should have been more quick to hear and less quick to respond too quickly, right? Whenever that last happened to you, I believe a point of maturity in the Bible is that of this portion in James. So in, regarding, in regards to being swift to hear, I first want to turn to the highest example of he who is always quick to hear. One of the wonderful characteristics of our Lord, and one that we can sometimes forget, is that he always listens to us. He is available at all times to hear our prayers, to listen to our concerns, and understand what's below the surface. In other words, those things that maybe do not spring to the surface, but that which we feel inside. During his earthly ministry, Jesus filtered through the arguing of his disciples and would listen for the underlying needs of the people when they came, uh, when, whom, of whom they came in contact with. He would approach the woman at the well, asking for her husband, knowing that she would mention someone that was not and would delve into the deeper issue at hand. And I think I can speak for most of you and say that I am thankful that he and his word pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, followed by being a discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. And so James invites us to be as such, to be quick to listen, to open our ears and be sensitive to that. Did you know that being 
uh, quick to listen is an important aspect of witnessing to others. There is a time and a place for doing all the talking like I'm doing right now. But there is also a time to listen. This goes right along with what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul charges Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Part of this long-suffering is the importance of listening to the whole story. Of listening so that you understand. Of listening so that you can focus in on what needs to be focused on. Of listening so that you can remain relatable and not go off on something that does not have anything to do with anything and further something that is unrelated. Another element of being slow to speak is likened to the sheep and the shepherd, which I preached on a few weeks ago. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd and listened. Likewise, we should become increasingly familiar with the voice of our Lord and with that follow him day by day. Hmm. It's not a matter of picking and choosing when to follow. For we know that if we only pick and choose to follow when we want to, and his voice, become, his voice will also become harder to hear. Following day by day in the Lord's uh, footsteps, as the Lord requires that ear to do, is being quick to listen. And furthermore, if the Lord says go, then go. Just as important and sometimes more important, depending on what it is, if the Lord says stay, then stay. I want to be so close to Jesus that when he speaks, I listen. When he says go, I go. When he says stop, I stop. When he says stay quiet, I stay quiet. Again, all of which requires an ear to hear, being swift to listen, as you will hear in just a few moments, an ear to hear, but also the action of doing. Along with being quick to listen, James goes on to say, slow to speak. The Bible is replete with examples on this topic, slow to speak. In Proverbs 10, 19, Solomon writes, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. A few chapters later, in chapter 17, verse 28, he writes, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. And if we turn forward again to James and turn just a couple of chapters over to chapter 3, James talks about the aspects of being slow to speak. So let's go there now, James chapter 3. Looking at verse number 2, James writes, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. In other words, saying, if one does not stumble in what they say, which can be a result of not taking the time to listen first and with intent, the same is a perfect man. Further, James writes a few verses later in verse 8, saying, No man 
can tame the tongue. Which was followed by the statement about the bridle in the horse's mouth, steering the horse where they should go, and also the rudder of the ship, which has the ability to steer the whole ship, although it is one of the smallest components on the ship. Remember, church, there is power in your words. Your words can both build and destroy. Your words can both encourage and humiliate. Your words can both speak love and speak hate. Your words can both lift someone up and tear someone down. And the choice lies where? With you. The choice does not lie with God. But we are given the choice. The opportunity, as I would like to better refer to it, to choose our words wisely. And with that, to choose when we speak. We are given the choice of the source of which we choose to speak from. Am I going to speak from my own understanding? Or am I going to speak from the source of understanding? God is the true source. Choose Him always as the source. So not only should we be slow to speak, but piggybacking on that, we should be slow to wrath or anger. The word, for, uh, the word wrath used here means anger, indignation, or vengeance. We find the same word used in Colossians 3, 8, where Paul writes, But now ye put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, where Paul writes concerning wrath or anger, saying, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where some people may begin to sink into their seats. Because if I recall, the last time I became angry, did it cross my mind that my salvation may be at risk? I was talking with a couple of friends a few weeks, a few weeks back about some uh, frustrating situations. Situations with the potential to make me angry. And how, when these things happen, I really have to take a step back. Otherwise, I could fall into the category, if you will, of this really having an effect on my integrity. Affecting my integrity in such a way as to make me act on that anger. And further lead me to something, or to say something that I will later regret. This really brings an appreciation to uh, the order that James writes these in, first being quick to listen, then being slow to speak, because if we are slow to speak, and we remember that first, while the anger may come, we too will bridle our tongue and stop before we speak. When we are slow to speak, we give ourselves the opportunity to think before we react in moments of frustration or rage. Let me say that again. When we are slow to speak, 
We give ourselves the opportunity to think before we react in moments of frustration or rage. As we continue on in James, in the very next verse, verse 20 of chapter 1, James writes, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I looked up another version, and it, sta- and it stated it like this. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. As we seek to do his will and follow him, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All of these things will be added to you. This lifestyle is in sharp contrast to the person who is quick to speak and quick to get angry because he doesn't get his own way. In continuing on in chapter 1, James answers what some may be asking of, well, how can I do this? How can I be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? In which, verse 21, which reads, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, get ready, which is able to save your souls. As you are slow to anger and slow to speak, carry that out in your daily living by laying aside all filthiness, which means dirtiness in in contrast to cleanliness, and also laying aside the overflow of naughtiness or wickedness. In other words, our response in anger reveals the true person within us. Remember what Jesus said to uh, the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12? In Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 34, Jesus says, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil, speak of good things, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it On the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Whatever is in your heart will be that which you speak. Whatever is in your heart will be that which you speak. Training and equipping, and further praying for God to help the believer to be quick to listen and be slow to speak, also changes the heart. You've heard the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But I want to add to that and say, show me your heart and I'll show you your future. While that may be piercing to you, it pierced me too. I want to be in a right relationship with him. I want to do those things that please the Lord. I desire to be quick to listen, 
to be slow to speak and be slow to wrath. I desire to pursue him with everything that I have. I desire to be a hearer and a doer of the word. I want the desires of my heart to be that which pleases him at all times. I want my heart to be so lined up with him so that when I speak, it's him and not me. I want my heart to be so full of him that when the temptation to act on my anger comes a-knocking, there's, there's a sign already flashing that says no vacancy. There's a sign already flashing that says there's no room for you here. I want to be so close to him that my heart is so full that I, that I don't even have to really think about it anymore. Now hear me for a moment because there will always be those times, and I'll get to that again in just a second. But, and you know... The, the, the times that come to make you angry are still going to come, but your response will be different. And that really depends on where you are at in your walk with him. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you understand that. Like the, the closer you get with him, the circumstances around you may not change, but your perspective begins to change on it. You know, like I was talking with my friends a few weeks back, there was the potential in those moments for me to act out on it, but I remembered the Lord nudged me on the shoulder and said, you know, don't lose heart. Remember, I'm with you always. Remember, I'm here to help you. Church, he is here to help you. If you're in need of something right now, if you've got a stressful situation and you're about to act on it, give it to the Lord. He's able to take care of it for you. He's able to take care of it for you. In fact, he's able to do exceeding, abundant, above all we could ask or, or think. Thank you, Jesus. I want my heart to be so full of him again. So full of him that there's no room for anything. Is that your desire? Does your life do you live match what you read? Does the life you live match what you read? And without getting too far ahead of myself on this journey that we are on tonight, you will find that as we come to a helm here today again, that the choice will, not only be, will be to not only hear, but to do. Not only hear, but to do. To be a doer of the word. To be a doer of his word, rather, and not our own. To be a doer of his will and not my own. To, to really say and pray and believe to say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I want to do whatever it takes to do your will. Just as uh, Pastor Jeremy preached moments ago about the vine that, that required some pruning. Sometimes, God, sometimes God's got to take you through some pruning. He's got to take some of those dead leaves off. And it might cause a little bit of pain, but it's going to cause you to grow closer to him. It's going to cause you to flourish even more when he picks those things off that don't belong to him. That have nothing to do with him. That are not of him. In looking further at this laying aside or putting aside of filthiness, another way to understand this taking off of your filthy attitudes and actions just as you would soiled, smelly garments. Something you take off. When we step over into the born-again life, we may still bring 
some baggage with us. We may still bring some things with us. What we may not realize after the fact is that we are displeasing God by our thoughts, words, or actions. And hear me. It is as we read God's word and take it in and let it cultivate us that we begin to realize, oh, that thought wasn't a very good thought. I probably shouldn't be thinking that way. Or, ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that right there. Probably wasn't the best word choice. Uh, you know, and so on and so forth and things like that. You know, that there is called uh, sanctification, where you realize something maybe you didn't realize before because you're walking closer with him each day. What you may not have realized yesterday, God may be showing you something today, and he may want you to change, and again, that choice is up to you to make that change. Mm. It's also called maturity. That's maturing in Christ. Maturity happens through sanctification. Allow me to put it to you like this and just to kind of share something uh, a little personal. Um, when you were first born again and coming out of the life of sin, for all intensive purposes, you were a newborn babe in Christ. As a newborn, you were not able to consume more of that heavy meat that others may be able to. We're all at different areas in our walks with him. Some of us may be able to consume more than others, and I thank God for it because we need that variety, if you will. We need the, 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 the newborn babes and the mature believers over here, but we also need everybody in between. And along with that, being that newborn babe, you may not have the understanding that they do either. So you may not fully understand that which is bad or that which you should flee from. But as you grow and consume the spiritual milk that Scripture speaks about, your eyes begin to open to this and to that. You begin to make those changes. To put it again, we, when I was newly born again, a little over 10 years ago, there were things that I did that now I can't fathom doing. Now, I'm not going to say it was terrible stuff, hear me, but there, there was a movie that my wife and I chose to begin to wa watching together, and it's been a couple years since this happened, but it was one that we watched in the past, or uh, in, in the past, so I thought, ah, let's go ahead and watch it. Let's, I want to watch that now. That was a pretty good movie. Anybody else been there where they've, yeah, yeah, okay. So much to my chagrin, seconds into the movie, my jaw dropped to the floor. In the first few moments, my wife and I looked at each other and immediately shut it off and said, yep, not watching that one. There were things that I didn't realize were in there before, and I went to watch it again, and I'm like, did I really watch this? I began to really be judgmental of myself and think, oh, did I really consume that? When was the last time I watched this? Oh, okay. It all begins to make sense now. I was towards the beginning of my journey then. This is just an example. But I was at the beginning of my journey, of my, my, my walk with him, my sanctification with him, to where now I'm somewhere over here, and I see those same things, and I'm like, I just, I just cringe a little more, you know? And I'm like, Ugh. I couldn't get, my, couldn't get my finger on the power button fast enough to shut it off. I'm like, shut it off! Get it off the TV! Shut it off! <laughs> Amen. 
If you know to put that filthiness aside, we're going to let the rubber meet the road here. If you know to put that filthiness aside and still choose not to, then I will ask why. If it's not because you do not know, then what is stopping you from sweeping those things aside and further receiving his word and letting it graft into you? That word that is being stitched into your inner being. That word that is being grafted in like a branch that was once dead, but now, since being grafted in, has received new life. Oh, hallelujah. The new life that only comes through Christ Jesus and walking with him daily. The new life that will save your soul from eternal punishment. As we become closer to him and led by his spirit, we will increasingly enjoy less the overflow of filthiness and enjoy more the fruit of his spirit. That of which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will find joy in those things. His spirit dwelling in us is revealed in the life that we live. It is that which is influenced by the implanted word, that of which is inside of us, and that of which is able to save our souls. If we are to receive the implanted word of God, we must listen to his written word, and we must have our receivers open to, re to the revelation and guidance of his spirit. That word becomes vital and powerful and alive as we follow his spirit to implant his word in us, as we allow it to do so. We receive that word with meekness and a humble heart. A humble heart that says, I am nothing without Christ. A humble heart that says, I have no being without him. A humble heart that says, I have no life without him. It's a hard thing to fathom saying, I have no life without him. If it's a hard thing to fathom that, then I want you to ask yourself what it is that is hindering you from that. Is there something that you are holding on to that the Lord is desiring you to let go of? Is there something bent up inside that resides that God is asking you to lay aside? If there is such a thing, God is here today to help you with that. All he is asking is that you lay aside. All he is asking that you lay aside so that he may enter in. Oh, I desire him to enter in. Is that your desire for him to enter in? I know that I can't go a day without him, so why would I want to try? I know that my circumstances may not change, and the same things that come to anger me may still be present, but I choose today, even in those moments, to choose my actions wisely and not sin. I choose to deflect that or sweep that aside so that it does not affect me, so that it cannot stain me. And as I thought about this, God showed me somewhat of a, a real-life application for 
getting rid of the filth. And I was telling my wife about this the other day, so she may have a few things to tell me afterwards, but we'll get to that in a moment. So something, um, I'm going to share something that you'll, you'll remember as you're doing this task one day. In my house, we have this wonderful thing called laundry, and it's very interesting that I'm preaching about this tonight, because guess what happened to us yesterday? Our washer stopped working. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. <laughs> so you have this thing called laundry that you do in your house. The, the words that ring through the house in one way, shape, or form, almost on the daily, or at least every other day are, I need to do laundry, or I need to fold the clean clothes, or even I need to switch over the laundry into the dryer. Generally speaking, that is followed by some kind of a grumble like, I have to do this. Can I get a witness? Good, good, good. <laughs> if you don't grumble, then I invite you to come take care of ours. <laughs> Amen. I can solve that. <laughs> so, with having to do with this laundry, if, if I mow the lawn or do any other kind of strenuous type of outdoor work or indoor work, and I work up a sweat, and I come into the house, if I so much as choose to sit anywhere in the house with those filthy clothes, if I so choose to do that, I will probably receive somewhat of a stern look by my wife. She'll look at me over her glasses, and then I know I'm in trouble. I love you, Tabby. Now, I have not tested those boundaries very much, if often at all. Often I'm told at the door, stop! You can't enter. Okay. But I must be able to speak from some kind of experience. But if I continue to wear those clothes and never wash them or never change anything, uh, change or anything like that, the smell of those clothes will begin to be a bit overwhelming. Right? I see a bunch of no's going, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I know. Now, if at that point I still choose to not change those clothes, eventually I am going to become used to that smell. And I will not be able to recognize it any longer. Although others around me may still be able to smell it. In that sense... If we do not depart or sweep aside the filthiness that tries to or even may be currently trying to enter in, then the opposite of pushing it away is putting it on. You may have heard it in some way, shape, or form that falling away from Jesus is not something that just happens overnight. No, it's actually something that tends to happen over a long period of time. So much so that if it's not brought to the surface, if it's not brought to the attention, if it's not taken care of, uh, that it can, be, it can go to be too far gone. But with that, I am so thankful for the Word of God and the preaching that goes forth and, and that God calls those to minister the Word directly to what you need to hear. Not only what we need to hear, but also what we need to take action on. The word. Not only must we hear the word or read the word, but most importantly and arguably the most important thing, we must be a doer of the word. And the question that may be raised is how do I become a doer 
in, in the main text from today, from James 1, verses 22 through 25, state just how. But leading up to that, we are first quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, or slow to wrath. And then James, in the succession of his teaching and admonishing, simply says, be a doer. Saying, do what God's word tells us to do. Doing the word of God is at the very center of the teaching that James gives to the reader. Taking action with what you hear and read and study is at the very center of all scripture. In fact, Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So don't tell me that we don't need to take action on his word because in order to be a lamp to my feet, I've got to be able to see my feet and, well, I can't really see my feet if I'm looking here, but they've got to be in front of me. That's just kind of a visual there. But we've got to be moving in order for that lamp to be of any use for us. And in case you didn't already know, it's more than just lip service saying, I'll do this, but never doing it. It's more than just thinking, hey, I'm going to do that, and then forget about it when you go to dinner tonight after church. We must live it out in action. Pastor Lucas, if you have homework to do for your class, and you say you are going to do your homework, but don't, what have you accomplished? Nothing. A zero. Thank you. <laughs> if I say that I'm going to do the dishes after dinner, but don't follow through with that, do the dishes get done? Maybe, but no, but no, they don't. So it's more than just hearing the word. And while listening is important, it is not enough. The word of God is more than just some old fable. It's more than just some words on a page. No, it's the, the words, they are his voice. They are the epitome of him. They are the way to a relationship with him. They are the way to eternity with him. Him. If we do no more than just receive the word of God and not put that into action, we become like the Dead Sea, a lake that, have, that can have the most beautiful spring water in the world flowing into it, but if there are no outlets, that beautiful water becomes stagnant. The same takes place in our lives if we are not living the life of active obedience and his word to overflow into our lives. On the contrary, James writes what it means to not do the right thing. In chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And if you turn back just a few books to the book of John, chapter 8, Jesus explains his disciples the same thing, saying, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my Lord, ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we never be in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever for, but the son abides forever if the son shall then for make you th th therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed and in looking down a little verse a little further in John 8 Jesus goes on to say things like I tell you the truth and you believe me not and ask the question if I say the truth why do you not believe me and furthermore if he that is of God hears God's word and finally down to verse 51 Jesus says if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. That will be the difference. That is the difference between a hearer and a doer. With the words of Jesus, we can understand that it is for the perfecting of the saints, not the perfect saints. Do you desire to be perfected today? 
No matter where you are at in your walk with God, he desires to continue perfecting you. As the first fruits of his creatures, the born-again believer is a creature made new in Christ. Do you desire to be a first fruit of his creature? As a creature made new in Christ, so comes the old passing away, as Paul admonishes, and all becoming new, all things becoming new. God desires to make all things new in you. God is desiring you to be more than just a spectator of his word. He wants you to take action. He desires you to grow in him. And as Jesus spoke to the disciples, so I implore to you that it's only in Christ that you can be free and free indeed. Being only hearers of the word can lead us into the bondage of spiritual malnutrition, but being doers of the word can lead us in freedom in Jesus Christ. May taking action be a part of your daily lifestyle. Continue in the perfect law of liberty, that which makes you free. You see, there are some lifestyles that are far easier, but there is none better. There is nothing that can convince me otherwise. Let's stand all over this place. If you desire to be that which is a hearer and a doer, if you desire to be that which is a first fruit of his creatures, giving everything that you have to him, making sure that you put him first in everything that you do, and, and then everything else falls into place, why don't you pray with me right now? Let's pray together in Jesus' name as we close out service. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word, which is quick and powerful, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, which can pierce even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirits. Lord, I pray right now for every heart and every mind in this place, every person in this place, those watching online, that they're desire would be that of a hearer and a doer, to be that of a first fruit of your creature, Lord Jesus. We desire to be that which you want us to be, what you've called us to be. Lord, whatever you've called us to do, we want to walk in that. You've called us to be your disciples. You've called us to go forth into all nations. Oh, hallelujah. And witness to others. You've called us to live holy in our lifestyle, Lord Jesus. And we desire that right now. We desire that, Lord, for our Ourselves because we want to do that which is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord all over this place? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for those that were joining us online. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes, we're going to have a baptism here in just a few moments. So if you'll uh, join us over here, we're going we're gonna to baptize our sister in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.